That was the opening music from The Creature. Actually, it's not The Creature. It's just Creature. Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from what has turned out to be a beautiful, sunny day here in the Seattle area. And I'm Bob Johnson, and I'm in sunny Los Angeles today. And we're talking about Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, which was released in, let me just look at my notes here. 1954 and who's what what's what was the studio that released this one? Oh, I you know, I think it was Universal, but I'm not sure. That's a good question. No, you're I, right. Yeah, it's one of the Universal Monsters. How could I be so forgetful? Yeah, it's a Universal Monster. Following up from our discussion last week about Young Frankenstein. It was it was uh, one of my favorites. I remember seeing it in the theater in 1954 on a double feature with uh, the Wax Museum, which was also in 3D with my favorite, Vincent Price. You know, they've re-released that movie on Blu-ray and they've updated the 3D for that one as well. I'm kind of interested. I might pick that one up if I can get it for cheap. You know, some of these Blu-rays, you can pick them up for like $10 now. So for 10 bucks, what the heck? (laughs) <laughs> I did notice that down here, too. Yeah, after you mentioned that to me. There's a lot of them. There are. You know, you you, you saw this at a double feature, and the first time I saw it was at a double feature, and, and the double feature was a Creature from the Black Lagoon, and It Came from Outer Space, which I learned through my research on this that they were both directed by the same person, Jack Arnold. He was He was pretty prolific. He made a lot of movies, he did, and... Richard Carlson was the star in both. Mm-hmm. Both times, I believe, he was a professor or a doctor. There's so many parallels to, from this movie to one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which is the weird fiction, which was published in the kind of the early 20th century, but has roots going back into the, the late 19th century. Uh, there was a story that came out... Uh, I think it was 1911, called Fishhead. And I sent you a link to this. Didn't you think there were a lot of similarities between that and Creature from the Black Lagoon? Definitely. First, thanks for sending that to me. I read the entire entire piece, and it was like a forerunner to this movie. And I looked up the background, uh, the lake and all that, and it actually is a place and exists, uh, and it's just as it was described in that, 1911 publication. Yeah, it's a sh- it's a short story. I'll put a link to that in our show notes on the the website at classicmoviereviews.net. Uh, but I it's f- it's worth a read because there's there's even there's so many similarities. The the lagoon, which c- could be the lake in that story, the the gill man who is described and in, in in my mind looks almost the same as the creature in a lot of ways, uh, and then the the giant catfish. Uh, the boat captain in this movie talks about how there's nine foot catfish in the in the Amazon. And I thought the Mississippi was something. It's a winding brook compared to the Amazon. This is exactly as it was 150 million years ago when it was part of the Devonian era. Sounds like the beginning of the world. It is. Even the animals here grow as they did in Devonian forests. The anteater is a giant with the strength of a bear. The centipede grows to be a foot long. The Amazonian rat is as big as a sheep. That's incredible. It's true. And don't forget our catfish. 
They grow to be nine feet long and killers. Like everything in this jungle, all killers. Which is not true, but makes for a good kind of scary story. It really does. I, uh, I was, I really enjoyed that that uh, short story. I, uh, I just when I read it, I thought, is this re- really a place? And sure enough, it is. And and then also the way that the creature in the movie is, I find him to be a sympathetic creature. And in the story, Fishhead, the main character, I also find to be sympathetic. So uh, a lot of similarities. They're very interesting. And there's a whole tradition of these kind of fishmen or gillmen in in what's weird fiction there's a hp lovecraft story uh called shadow over innsmouth which talks all about this village full of these gillmen and i don't know that those stories were very well known in in 1954 to the general public so for most people i think this would have been their first exposure to like a gillman other than maybe you know mermaids or merman or you know things things of that nature oh and i agree i i was very sympathetic with the creature in the uh when i first saw it in the theater in 1954 because uh they had a, they'd kind of invaded his territory and uh he was in a lot of ways just defending where he lived so it, it it's a fun it's a fun thing to think about i didn't realize there was all that background uh publication information I have to think that some of that influenced them in making the movie, even though in the making of documentary, they don't mention it. There's just too many similarities not to be a connection there. You know, well, I read, I read one article and I forget which one it was now, but Jack Arnold and uh, one of the other people that made the movie were at some kind of a party and uh, they were introduced to a story about something like this that took place in South America. So I think they did have an awareness that there was this background in literature. Yeah, I, I read that too. That was interesting. Yeah, so there's different. They're coming at different traditions and pulling it into this movie. I think. Uh, would you consider the movie a horror movie or more of a science fiction movie? I I I, I kind of go back and forth on that. It's a combination of both to me. Uh, I put it in the category with uh, the movie King Kong, where it's both a science fiction movie and a love story. Oh, okay. That's a good point. I just think that King Kong and the creature were lonely and they were really interested in having a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's of a different species, right? Oh, well, you know, they may not have known that. Do you think the creature was the last of his kind in the Black Lagoon? Oh, absolutely not. Someplace in the Amazon... They live today. <laughs> just I'm a waiting to be discovered. <laughs> <laughs> just, just waiting for the next sequel to come out, which I read may be coming out this year or next. I saw that. Oh, I'm interested to see how they resurrect this uh, this franchise. I, I think it could be really cool, or it could be <laughs> could be really bad. I, I, I don't think it, it's going to be either or. I don't think it's going to go down the middle of sort of being an okay movie. I, I would agree. It's uh, I think it's a movie that would have benefited from being in Technicolor or deluxe color. Uh, although I love the black and white, it's I just think I'd like to see that in in a true color version. Yeah, I think color would have been cool. I think they spent all their money on the 3D though. Uh, it sounds like they had a lot of problems with the cameras and trying to 
do the shoots and underwater 3D was it was I think it was the first time they had underwater scenes in a in a big Hollywood production. Uh, and yeah, that, I read that same thing, and then not only that, compounded. but it was 3D. Yeah, compounded by the fact that they were shooting it in 3D. Uh, I, I misspoke last week, though, or two weeks ago, when we were talking about this movie. Originally, it was uh, projected with the uh, polarized lenses like we have today, and it was basically the same, really similar technology to the 3D in theaters today. So I imagine that the 3D in the original projection was was pretty great not it wasn't the the red and blue glasses that that we saw it in or did we see it in red and blue glasses i don't even remember if it was red and blue glasses or the polarized lenses anymore i think we had red and blue when we went to the double feature in chicago but i remember going to this as a a young a young guy sitting there and they were i think they were the uh not the red and blue ones but the other and it looked so real to me. Plus, uh, you know, the other one with Vincent Price, I was like, "Wow, I didn't know anybody could do this." Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great in three D. I have to say, it, it looked really good. Uh, I would make a note though to one thing on three D television. It, I think your mileage varies depending on the TV that you buy, because I have a couple different ones here, and the one in my office is a smaller one. It's a Samsung. And it looks outstanding on that TV. Uh, but then I went downstairs to a, a bigger, which is also a Samsung, but a bigger one. And it didn't look as good. And I couldn't figure out the settings on the TV to make it look the same as the one upstairs. So I think part of the problem that TV manufacturers had with 3D TVs is that not all of them were really manufactured very well or, or the same. And so, you know... If they're not, if it doesn't look as good as it could, then I don't think people would be as excited about getting a 3D TV. You have a good one though uh, in your office. You've said yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. I, I don't know if it's the settings on it. I haven't figured out if it's the settings or just the panel itself. But yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, hey, another thing I wanted to talk about though is the role of the woman in the movie. Oh yes, uh, Julie Adams as Kay Lawrence. Yeah. I, man, it was it was tough because there was a couple scenes where she was saying some lines that sounded like, yeah, she's a scientist and she's smart, and she's got a you know strong personality. And then there were other scenes like the one where she goes swimming uh, out into the lagoon, and and then the monster is swimming with her under the water, which by the way was was really cool. I thought that was a great scene. They filmed all that in Florida at a place called Wakula Springs. Yeah, it sure. It goes sure, underwater. It sure looked like it could have been in the Amazon. I mean, not that I've been there, but just from what I've seen, great location shooting. You're right, though. Um, one of the one of the people on the boat said they have nine foot catfish, and they know there's all kinds of problems and issues. And oh, I think I'll just go for a swim. Well, and they even showed alligators like yes. two minutes before that, and oh, she just wants to go for a swim. So I thought yeah, that was really dumb. So it was a combination of her being this smart scientist with a strong personality and, and her being this dumb person on the boat who was really there to prop up a love triangle between her and the other the two male leads, you know? Dr. David Reed and Mark Williams. Yeah. I'm not exactly blind. 
you're worried about what's happened between Mark and David. But once you admit the simple fact that you're in love, which you have, well, then it becomes a good idea to be the scientist about it. It's not as easy as that. Why not? Well, if it weren't for Mark Williams, I wouldn't have my work or, or even a job. That's true. He helped you through your training and gave you a job, but he needed you just as much as you needed him. You're oversimplified. You've more than repaid him many times over. Why, a good part of his present position at the Institute is due to your valuable research. Uh, so I thought that was a little bit, I guess, typical for a movie in the 1950s. Uh, but I wish that she'd had a few more lines where she was the scientist and a few fewer lines where she was the woman in the love triangle kind of role. The other the other thing I really liked about the movie was the lost world aspect, which you, you mentioned King Kong. And that's one, yes. of the, one of the things I really like about King Kong is the lost world when they when they land on the island. That's what I, one of the things I loved about the movie is when they enter the Black Lagoon, uh, the captain says... But we know nothing about this lagoon. I can tell you something about this place. My boys call it the Black Lagoon, the paradise. <laughs> Only they say, nobody has ever come back to prove it. <laughs> I know. It, 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 I think there's a parallel in the story all the way through to, uh, to the King Kong movie and, and story. Except for the ending, which is different because I think of the ending of the creature, I was excited because I knew they were going to have a sequel. I, I kind of question whether they left it open for a sequel or not because there's a there's two scenes at the very end. One, the creature swimming with an arrow sticking out of its back, and then another where it's just sort of floating motionless to the bottom. Yeah, you're right. There, there is that. But as a kid, I thought, oh, they got to make another one of these. It's too much fun. Yeah, I think you're right. And they did make two more of them. They did, and I guess what? I saw them both. <laughs> <laughs> Were they as good yeah, as the yeah. first one? I haven't seen the the sequels. Uh, no, neither one was. the The first sequel was another 3D movie in 1955. With Rex or Rhodes Reason, I can't remember which one. And then the the third, the second sequel was just a plain two D flat, uh, and I don't remember much about that one. Isn't that the one where the 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 monster goes through some surgery or something and becomes more human? Yes, it's kind of a story of him longing to go back to the ocean, but he can't because of the accident that happened where he had to have the surgery. Yes, indeed. Very good, yeah. That that was made in 1956. I only know that from watching the making of video, so I'll, oh, okay. have, to, I'll have to go find it and actually watch the whole thing. It may be difficult to find those two on any kind of DVD. I don't know. Yeah, I've probably. never seen them. The environmental aspect of the movie. Did you did you think that they intentionally had any kind of comment on the way people treat the environment? Uh you know, when I went to see it and I watched it again, I, I'm not sure that there was much of that going on back in 1954. So I'd probably say they were they were they weren't really into that. I, I think it was more just let's make this and scare everybody and see how it goes. Yeah, I thought there was a scene where they uh, poisoned the lagoon and all the fish are floating up to the top. Oh, yes, that was nice, yeah. And then there was a scene where uh, 
Julie Adams was smoking a cigarette and just threw it into the lagoon and the creature was down below looking up at that. And I think you could read some more into that about making a comment about the environmental destruction of, you know, the world based on the way humans treat it. But I think that might, maybe it's reading too much into it. Maybe they didn't think anything of that, you know, it's just, well, this is what we do. They, 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 I would guess that they probably didn't give it much thought. I, I thought, I thought that uh, when I watched it again, it was pretty nice the way they transitioned from the studio lot to the location shoots and back and forth. Although there's a scene near the beginning where the hand comes out of the water and she, I think she's standing next to the water and the hand comes out of the water. I could tell when I saw that again, man, that's a rubber hand. Oh yeah, totally. And then you <laughs> hear the you hear the music again. Dun dun dun. Oh yes. <laughs> Well, after after your notes that they played that 137 times, I went, holy cow, I didn't realize. <laughs> it was playing all the time, practically. Pretty much. Uh, I did watch this with uh, two of my kids. Uh, they didn't make it all the way through, unfortunately. They, kept, they couldn't get over the rubber suit and just the fact that it was pretty slow going in terms of the action. So did I, think you want, did, I wasn't I wasn't as successful with this one as I was with Young Frankenstein and getting them interested. <laughs> did, did you watch it in 3D with the, with the two grandkids? Yeah, we did. Yeah, and even that didn't work. Uh, it wasn't enough to really pull them in. Yeah, it, it needed to be uh, uh, modern day special effects and color. I think the I think if they remake this, which it sounds like they are, it's going to be a lot more like an alien movie. You know, a lot more of a scary monster suspense kind of unknown creature type thing, like an alien. It could be that, or it could be like the sequels that have come out recently on the incredible Hulk. Oh, where the special effects are just amazing. Or maybe, um, like the mummy sequels where it was more of an action adventure type thing. Maybe, I don't know. I hope, I hope they make it. This is one I think that would, would benefit from being redone. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, because uh, it stood out to me, there were three times in the movie when they really focused on sort of the science aspect, and this is why I think it's partly a science fiction movie, but at the very beginning when they are talking about the formation of the Earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. This is the planet Earth, newly born and cooling rapidly from a temperature of 6,000 degrees to a few hundred in less than 5 billion years. And, you know, millions of years ago, it was cooling and life formed in the oceans. I thought that was really a great way to start the movie. And uh, then they are at the aquarium. 
Well, why don't we make up the expedition? <laughs> We're here now, and after all, it does come under the heading of our work, doesn't it, David? Oh, it certainly does. More and more, we're learning the meaning and the value of marine research. Look, look over here. This lungfish, the bridge between fish and the land animal. How many thousands of ways nature tried to get life out of the sea and onto the land. This one failed. He hasn't changed in millions of years. But here, here we have a clue to an answer. Someday spaceships will be traveling from Earth to other planets. How are human beings going to survive on those planets? The atmosphere will be different. The pressures will be different. Uh, and they're talking about the lungfish and how yes. studying nature and studying the, the oceans can help us understand how we might evolve in the future to explore outer space. I thought that was cool. And then there was a speech uh, on the boat when they're waiting to catch the creature. Many years ago, I heard this legend on the river. A very old native tell me of a man who lived underwater, but she was crazy. Crazy ghoulie, everybody call her. <laughs> the unknown always seems unbelievable, Lucas. Well, one accepts these things as legend and lets it go at that, but to actually believe that there exists something like a human being that can live underwater. Now, this is no legend, as you'll soon see for yourself. Well, what about the Komongo? Science hadn't heard about it until a few years ago, and the Komongo lived way back in the Devonian age. Interesting that the fossil I found was out of the same period. The Komongo was a fish that breathed air. What does that prove? Well, nothing, except that the Komongo fish, which has lungs, exists today, right here in the Amazon. It hasn't changed in all these millions of years. It still doesn't prove the possibility of a gill man. If the evolution of that species could reach a dead end way back then and still survive, why couldn't another? Those three, those three to me really kind of put the science fiction edge to the movie. I like those scenes a lot. I like those too, and it shows the contrast between that part of the movie and and some of the, uh, like swimming in the lagoon and some of the less up-to-date or well-written. I think, it for me, it's what makes it go back and forth between a an A and a B movie. Yeah, and you had mentioned it's kind of a horror movie and a... Or... You said science fiction and a, and a love movie, love story? Yeah, sci science fiction and love story, yes. Yeah, so the swimming in the lagoon was kind of that love story, and then the creature comes out and, and, and uh, sort of kidnaps uh, Julie Adams' character, and she screams, you know, it's that classic monster movie scream that she has. It's that fair maiden in distress kind of a situation. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it does vacillate between an A movie and a B movie, I think, based on some of those uh, dynamics. It's fun because the, uh, the the cover for the DVD, she's being carried away by the creature, and she's got that same screaming look on her face. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to promote we're gonna promote that, and uh, we'll throw in a little science to make it seem like it might be real. Oh, speaking, I, of, speaking of making it seem like it's real, I thought... Uh, Richard Carlson did a, a fantastic job of taking the script really seriously and really playing that character of, of uh, the scientist David Reed, Dr. David Reed, as a, as, a, he... as a serious character. He did a good job. 
he's he he was meant to make those kind of movies because the year before he was in it came from outer space and he was the same serious professor in that one as he was in this one the guy was great in these movies <laughs> he, he and then if you wanted to change of pace you could watch hugh marlowe in earth versus the flying saucers who's oh. another guy that was good at these i oh yeah that's another good one i'll have to, I'll have <laughs> to they, dig that one up somewhere they made a career out of making uh, a lot of these kind of movies so what would you give it on a scale from one to ten Oh boy! Well, if I put it in the B category, the B movie category, I'd give it a seven, maybe an eight. If I were to keep it in an A category movie, I'd probably give it a maybe a four <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. So I suspend any belief, and I went with the the B movie. So I'd give it a seven. Yeah, I, I I'd give it a six. I, I I enjoyed the movie. I like it. I'd watch it again. It's just there's a lot of like playing the creatures theme 137 times, really, you know, and and just the whole uh, campiness of it, and having the woman be such a a stereotype. Which I I guess I can't really fault them for that. It, it was pretty much the way movies were made back then. Well, um, even in the King Kong movies, the one not the most recent one, but the one that was made in the uh... I want to say in the late 70s. Right. With Jessica Lange kind of had that role when she was in that movie. So it's been around a long time. Did you happen to uh, catch the information on... The, there were two people that played the creature. One when they were filming at Universal and the other one who did the underwater scenes in Florida. But the suit was so uncomfortable for the person that was doing it at Universal Studios that he would stand in that lake that you remember you've seen that lake when we go on those universal tours. Oh yeah. He would stand in that lake to try to keep cool. And then every once in a while they'd have to hose him down. Oh, I didn't know that. Cause he was so hot in that outfit. It looks super <laughs> That's an uncomfortable. Image. Yeah. So, and then when he put the full suit on, he couldn't see very well. And in one scene, he, he whacked Julie Adams accidentally. I guess it wasn't, serious but oh and there's a there's was a, rather limited there's a fairly famous photo of julie adams getting administered to by the medics and the creatures kneeling down beside her you know making sure she's okay i think that oh. must have been after she whacked her head <laughs> or he that's whacked her the head. one that's i just uh, from those universal tours that we've taken i could just go down through there and here he is standing out in the lake getting hosed down that'd be a great as, as a, a tour is going on. <laughs> as the tour is going on, yeah. Be better than the Jaws shark. So what are we going to watch next time? I We never decided on another movie. We haven't. Um, I was thinking of the comparison between the 310 to Yuma movies, the 1957 and the 2007 version. That's one possibility. And I had another one, and I now have lost track of what it was. Oh, uh, yes, I remember now. Either 12 O'Clock High with Gregory Peck from 1949, I believe, or Bridge on the River Kwai with uh, William Holden and Alec Guinness from 1957. Sort of adventure-type movies, and one is, is more about World War II. Well, they're both World War II, actually. So that, that would be my thought. Hmm. Bridge over River Quiet. That's that's a long one, isn't it? Like three hours. 
Yes, that's a very long movie. Uh, if I had to pick on between the two, I would pick uh, Twelve O'clock High, which is a uh, is a wonderful. It's probably the best movie of that era about the war years. All right, let's do that one then. Twelve O'clock High. I have a copy of that that I got as a gift. Perfect. Okay, I'll find a copy and hopefully, maybe it's uh, streaming somewhere online. I can watch it. Well, or I can return the favor and I'll watch it again real quickly and then I'll send it to you. Okay. I'll do that. All righty. Well, this has been fun. Fun movie. Always enjoy talking about movies with you. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, I look forward to our, our days. Well, the one sad note this morning is I just read that uh, Mickey Rooney passed away oh, yesterday. I saw that too. Yeah. 93 years old, and all I remember him as was Andy Hardy. Mm-hmm. He made I'm, about 10 of those. I remember him as that, too. So he's he's uh, no longer with us. Well, he lived a, a long life. He did. Made a lot of good movies and shows. Alrighty, uh, well, on that uplifting note, until, yeah, right. uh, until <laughs> next time. Say, <laughs> maybe we should say something more upbeat as, a, as an ending. Oh. Well, I can't think of anything. You'll enjoy 12 O'Clock High. All right. We'll just look forward to another good movie review in two weeks. And until then, I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson. And happy movie watching. pretty good we had a uh, 31 minutes of recording time but there was some stuff at the beginning i can cut out so yeah I, I think this is a shorter one because i don't know i tried to come up with 10 favorites you know uh, we're not recording are we oh I, I i just leave it recording just in case we say anything funny oh, oh okay well i when i when i watched young frankenstein i must have had 18 or 20 top favorites when i watched the creature from the black lagoon it was hard for me to come up with the 10 that I that I finally sent to you. Yeah, I, I didn't think we could do a top 10 cuz I I had about 4 or 5. Um, yeah, it's so But it was different. more it was more about the there were some interesting topics that I thought we could cover like science fiction versus horror or you know, some the origin of the monster, that type of thing. So that was I thought we did a good job. When I was watching it, I was thinking back to 1954. I I'm guessing that I rode my bike to the theater, loaded up on candy, and watched those two double features. And I bet I was a mess when I got done watching that after all that sugar. <laughs> I bet your mom was happy to see you when you got home. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh. You and about a hundred other kids your age in the theater, right? Throwing popcorn around and being obnoxious. Oh, it easily. might have been 250. It might have been the entire group in school. Everybody from the, yeah, everybody your age in town. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>